Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Judy Klitzner on Parashat Vayishlach. Pardes from Jerusalem is now featured on Spotify. You can get the latest downloads there or by visiting elmod.pardes.org. Hello, everyone. It is my great pleasure to be presenting Parshat Vayishlach. Um, this is a parasha that tells the story of Yaakov's reunion with his brother Esav. And to refresh everybody's memory and with the reasonable assumption that we have all been riveted to Parshat Shavua these past two weeks, um, these two brothers have a very fraught history. Uh, and for your convenience, some of the highlights of this fraught history are on the page that I hope you have in front of you. To begin with, already in the womb, as the twins are born, in Bereshit chapter 25, Yaakov emerges with his hand grabbing onto his brother's heel. And it seems that he's competing with his brother to get out first, right? Afterwards, after his brother Esav came out of the womb, uh, Yaakov is holding onto his heel, and as a result, they call him Yaakov. Um, the next scene that we have with these two brothers is in, still in Bereshit 25, where it seems that Yaakov has not given up hopes to take over Esav's spot as the, as the firstborn, as the Bechor. Uh, and in this scene, where he, Yaakov is, is cooking up a lentil stew and his famished brother comes in from the field, and Yaakov dangles the food in front of his brother, um, the price that he exacts for this, for this stew is his brother's birthright. Um, right? And, and Esav says, I'm going to die anyway. What, what, uh, what do I need this birthright for? And Yaakov says, swear to me. And he swears to him and he sells him his birthright. Okay, uh, let's move forward. In the 27th chapter of Bereshit, um, at his mother's order and with her careful planning and detailed instruction, Yaakov disguises himself as his brother. He actually puts on his brother's skin, or at least what feels like his brother's skin in order to deceive his blind father into giving him the blessing, the bracha that was intended for Esav. And here, if you look on your page, he came to his father, and his father asks him a straight-out question, who are you, my son? Um, and significantly, Yaakov answers his father's question of who are you with the words, I am Esav, your firstborn. Okay, so on one level, he's answering the question, he's lying, and he's claiming to be somebody that he's not. He needs to do that in order to fulfill, uh, in order to get the bracha. But I think beyond this, perhaps this, these words, I am Esav, are hinting um, at his wish to fulfill this lifelong hope to take over his brother's place, to actually, in some very deep way, assume his brother's very identity. As a result of the deception, his father gives him the blessing, um, and after the deception is discovered, Esav reacts. And this is on your page, uh, Bereshit 27, Vayomer, he says, he's hurt, he's furious. Vayomer, hachi karashimo Yaakov. Esav says, isn't that, is that why he's called Yaakov? Vayakveni ze pa'amayim. He has, and well, this is a very unusual word, vayakveni. Um, and here I would argue that... Um, that that at this moment, despite being known as a hunter, Esav proves to be quite the poet by the use of some of some of, by his word choices here. Vaya'agveni ze He has 
um, followed me. He has circumvented me. We'll get to that in a moment. Twice he's done this. Et bechorati lakach, he took my, my birthright. birchati. And now here he is taking my blessing. Okay, so first of all, I would say that Esav is playing on the words bechora and biracha, which are anagrams of one another, the birthright and the blessing. It hints that Yaakov takes what is Esav in the most basic and the most devastating ways. Two things he takes. <coughs> Excuse me. But another poetic flourish here to, <coughs> to express his outrage, Esav plays on Yaakov's name as an indicator of Yaakov's character. This word, Vayagveni, plays on Akiv as a follower. And if we were to look up this word in the, in the BDB, in the, in the biblical lexicon, Vayagveni means to follow at the heel. And, and essentially what we've seen is that Yaakov has been a follower, basically from the, from the womb up until this moment of stealing Esav's bracha. What Esav is, is expressing is, here he is, he's always behind me, lying in wait, waiting to take what's mine, um, and he gets ahead by hanging on to others, especially me. But, as we, I indicated earlier, Vayagveni can also mean to circumvent, to assail insidiously, to overreach. And perhaps here with his wordplay, Esav is pointing to his brother, not only as a follower, but as someone who uses circuitous, dishonest methods to achieve his aims. So the last that we hear from Esav until this week's parasha is just after the, de- the deception, when he says to himself, when my father dies, I will kill Yaakov, my brother. All right, maybe now, after all, after a brief stint as a poet, he goes back to being a hunter, right? I'm going to kill him. Now we're ready to fast forward to this week's parasha, where... Many years have passed. <coughs> Excuse me. Yaakov has a large family. He's got four wives. He's got 12 children. And now his brother is heading toward him with an army of 400 men. And we all know that the conflict between the brothers never materializes. The story is going to end peacefully with Yaakov unscathed. But that does not mean that the story is conflict-free. The real drama in this parasha is going to take place within Yaakov. And I want to look at this inner conflict in line with a wonderful interpretation that I have found in a wonderful book called Wrestling Jacob, which happens to have been written by a very close personal friend of mine by the name of Shmuel Klitzner. Um, and in his book, Klitzner argues that the Parashat Vayishlach is all about Yaakov confronting his past behavior, about acknowledging, it's about acknowledging both sides of his name, um, this Yaakov that, is, that defines him, as, as we saw expressed by Esav. But Yaakov has to fa- face the fact that he has lived at the heels of his brother, following him, waiting to overtake him. Um, he has to face the fact that he's actually assumed his brother's identity at the expense of his own identity. Um, he has acted as a circumventor, as a usurper of both his brother's bechora and his bracha. Okay, now, as any, all those out there who have studied Chumash at Pardes, as you all know well, one of the most potent techniques for uncovering deep messages within the text is to follow the lead of the milim manchot, the guiding words, words that repeat themselves with great frequency in a relatively small amount of textual space, kind of like the leitmotif in music with, with recurring sounds that give us a sense of the shape and structure of an entire composition. 
the words, the repeating words, give us structure and, and, and give us an entry into, into mean, the, the deeper meaning of the passage as a whole. This passage is absolutely loaded with such guiding words. Um, and I believe that all of these words point to this inner struggle um, uh, that we are going to see happening within Yaakov. Okay, so to name just a few of these words, and these are on your page listed under guiding words, uh, the first of these words is la'avor, the root ayin bet resh, to pass over, to cross over. Uh, there are many transitions in, in this parasha, most notably when Yaakov moves his family to one side of the river Yabok, va'ya'aver, he, he, he crosses them over, but somehow he's unable to cross over himself. It seems that Yaakov is cemented to his past. He's incapable of moving beyond it. <coughs> In addition to that, we have the words achar and achor, meaning after or late. We have, and, and it seems it's opposite, panim, which means before or in the face of. Um, the word achar points to Yaakov's history of following, Acharechen, he comes after Esav, he, and he remains at his heel throughout their, their, much of their lives. Um, and this parasha continues this theme. It begins, if you look in, in, at, at when the parasha opens, it starts the, the account by saying, Yaakov says, I, I, echar ad ata. I have, I've delayed until now, I, I, I've come afterwards. And I think one of, the, one of the central questions posed by this parasha is, is will Yaakov be able to change his behavior and engage in a more direct face-to-face -face way, panim el panim? In addition, another key word, another repeating word here is the word bracha, blessing. This word, especially, which is especially prominent in the, in the struggle, Yaakov's struggle with this mysterious ish, which we'll get to in a few minutes, it sends us back to the scene of the biggest crime, which is Yaakov's theft of his brother's bracha. Until that moment, he continues to hold, until this moment in this, in this story, he continues to hold on to a blessing that he has not legitimately earned. As we noted earlier, the bracha is, is an inversion of the word bechorah, another kind of ill-gotten gain that Yaakov is going to have to address. So in this story, Yaakov is going to confront his feelings, I would say, of unentitlement. That's a word, by the way, that Shmuel Klitzner uses a lot in his book. Um, and he's going to have to work hard to restore uh, these items, the bracha, the bechorah, to restore them to their rightful owner, Esav, and maybe even earn a blessing of his own. Getting back to the key words, another, another recurring word, and I think it appears ten times in this, in this story, is the word machaneh, which means, literally means a camp. Uh, but I think it, it, it appears here in a figurative way. It's a symbol of Yaakov's current identity, his camp. Um, and I think significantly here also there's a play on this word machaneh um, uh, and the word mincha, which is a, a word that's used to the gift the gifts that uh, Yaakov offers to Esav. And here again, through, through the use of wordplay, the passage informs us of Yaakov's inability to cross over. Basically, he's unable to move on with his life. Um, and it seems to have a lot to do with his unsettled feelings about the, about the, the gifts that he has taken um, in ways that are, that are, um, that are not forthright. Um, right, he's in in a sense by offering to Esav both a bracha and a mincha, 
uh, he kind of symbolically acknowledges and, and even seeks to correct the, the, uh, his earlier behavior. It's as if to, he's saying to Esav, here, take them, take these gifts, they're yours. I'll earn my own gifts. Um, let's see how I'm going to do that. And, and now I, I would like to turn everyone's attention to how, in fact, Yaakov is going to do that. How is he going to earn his own gifts? So here, if you look on the page that I sent you, um, in my version it's on the second page of the sources, uh, Bereshit chapter 32, here we have the, the, the greatest drama in this story, which is the meeting between Yaakov and a mysterious man, an Ish. <coughs> okay, and this passage begins in, in a very <coughs> enigmatic, enigmatic way, Vayivater Yaakov levado. Yaakov remained alone. Vayavek ishimo. All right, now that seems to be kind of paradoxical. He's alone, yet a man struggles with him. Who else could that? If he's alone and he's struggling, who else could that other ish be? But that part of himself that most disturbs him. And to support the notion that Yaakov's struggle is in, indeed internal, note the pronouns that fill this passage. There's no proper names are are, are not used, right? After that it first pasuk, then it's it's all just pronouns. Vayar kilo yacholo, he saw that he could not he could not he could not beat him. Vayiga bechaf yerecho, he <coughs> he wrenched his his hip. With him, he, him, he, him. He said, "Send me." He said, "No, I won't." Back and forth, just the, the masculine pronoun without any proper names. Uh, so much so that it's often hard to follow um, who's doing what to whom. Um, be, and, and I think that that is an intentional technique that's used to give us a sense that Yaakov and this Ish. Are, are meant to be conflated, to strongly hint to us that there's really only one character who's struggling. Unfortunately, time is not going to allow us to do a full analysis of this passage, but let's make sure we get to the, to the pivotal moment. Let's get back to the text, verse 26. Vayar ki lo yecholo, vayiga b'chaf yerecho, vateka kaf yerech Yaakov behev ko imo. Yaakov is wounded, but he's not going to concede the fight. He keeps on fighting. And in verse 27, he gets the upper hand um, so that the Ish says to him, let me go. And he says, no, I'm not going to let you go until you give me a blessing. Right? What is his demand as he has the upper hand? Of all things, Yaakov demands a bracha. Right? He seems to be playing out this internal struggle about this undeserved bracha, about the deceptive, deceptive means that he resorted to in order to get it. What he most needs is a bracha of his own, and he seems to need to replay the deception of gaining the brachot, all of his blessings in life, at the expense of others by assuming the identity of others. Um, in verse 28, significantly, before granting his request, right, he demands of this ish, um, uh, right, he says to him, "You've got to give me a bracha." And the, and how how profound is this? The Ish says to him, "Vayomer Elav, Mashemecha, what's your name?" Vayomer Yaakov, and Yaakov responds, "Yaakov." 
right? At this dramatic motion, most dramatic moment, basically what this ish, this ish within him is, is, is communicating to him is you can't get a true blessing in life if you don't own up to who you are. And in fact, in the last scene, when Yaakov was asked his name by his father in that case, he answers deceptively. He says, Esav. But now, Vayomer Yaakov. He finally faces himself directly and, on, and honestly. I am Yaakov, Anochi, right? I'm Yaakov, I'm, I'm Yaakov, I'm not Esav. Finally, he's claiming his own identity, perhaps his own agency. And I would suggest that maybe even in addition to this, he's hinting, not only am I Yaakov, but until this moment, I have been a Yaakov, a follower, a circumventor, right? Just as Esav accused me, Vayakveni. Um, I'm a person, in, in fact, who has done all of those circuitous following things. Um, and as Shmuel Klitzner develops in his book, as in any successful therapeutic effort, the first critical step is to acknowledge one's problematic patterns. And in fact, in this encounter, Yaakov takes responsibility for his Yaakov behavior. And once he's able to acknowledge that, um, he sees he doesn't have to forever be defined by it, at least not exclusively. The Ish now is going to bestow upon him a new name, and that name is Yisrael. The official reason for this name is because you have struggled. Unlike in the past when you chose to circumvention, deception over direct struggle, now you, you can directly confront your struggles. You've done it. Um, and, I would, and I would suggest, as does Rashi, beyond this without explicitly stating so, the name hints at more. Right, Yashar, the word Yashar is found in the word Yisrael, right, to challenge Yaakov's earlier mode of circumventing, Vayakveni. Now he's shown his ability to behave in a much more straightforward way. And in addition to that, the, the, the name Yisrael plays on the word Sar or Srara of rulership, of, of standing up as a leader, as opposed to desperately holding on to the heels of others. Now he faces his potential to lead, to live a life as himself. He can become the conductor of his own life. Um, to go back to the text and verse 29, where the Ish says to him, Kisarita im Elohim vi'im anashim vatuchal, most translate the word vatuchal as you have prevailed. You've struggled and you've prevailed. Um, but Klitzner, the other one, reads it differently. He says it means you were enabled. But Yaakov gets no guarantees that he's not going to struggle again. Because, but because he is directly engaged with his own demons, now he is empowered to struggle valiantly again. Right? And now the man blesses Yaakov. Finally, Yaakov has earned his own bracha. As a result, he experiences, experiences this great turning point. Um, he calls the place Pini'el. Uh, I have faced God, I have faced myself face to face. Right? The parsha began with the word va'echar, I, I came afterwards, late, and now it's replaced by panim el panim, forward. He's forward looking, he's, he's looking straight on, um, no more delaying, no more taking on personas of others. He's facing his own, his own issues and emerges intact. But, and I think the text goes out of its way to make sure we understand, this is not a knockout punch. Yaakov emerges from this limping, he's injured in the process of, of discovering himself. He's been enabled, but he's still deeply flawed. And in fact, as, as we all will note, he will still continue to be called Yaakov as well as Yisrael. The fight is ongoing. The struggle against internal splits, against allowing circumstances to, to dictate his own life. 
ultimately, and I don't have this for you on the page, but in chapter 33, we're told, Vayavo Yaakov Shalem. He, he arrives to a place called Shalem, but Shalem means, means, means complete. Um, and here I think it doesn't mean perfect, um, but he's at peace with everything that he is. He's able to integrate all parts of himself, accepting his limitations along with his strengths. He's always going to be Yaakov, but he's also going to carry within him that fierce potential to shine as Yisrael. Right? He's not going to lose his past, that Yaakov, but he's going to be able to integrate it into this complex, this flawed, yet this deeply empowered person, Yisrael. Um, I want to take a couple of minutes. Just it this all the story when read this way reminded me of an amazing book by um, Dr. Eva Eger, a brilliant therapist, a, sh a survivor of the Holocaust. She wrote a book called The Choice, and in this book she says the following: She says all of the survivors I met had one thing in common with me and with one another. We had no control over the most consuming facts of our lives, but. Basically, what she goes on to say is everyone, even the most abused victim, still has a choice. And, and, and Eger elaborates on this choice. She says, it's the choice to accept myself as I am, imperfect, and the choice to be responsible for my own happiness, to stop running from the past, to do everything possible to redeem it, and then let it go. I can make the choice that all of us can make. I can't ever change the past, but there is a life I can save. It is mine, the one I am living right now, this precious moment. Kisarita, you have struggled, vatuchal, you have been enabled to face struggle again, and vayavo shalem, to come complete, accepting the flaws, accepting the, the past, doing your best to integrate it, and just move forward. Um, I think that of all the patriarchs, Yaakov, strikes the reader as the most human. He's, he's as flawed as we are, but he chooses to accept his imperfections and to do his best to move, to, to just live a valuable life, to just keep, keep going forward. Um, I think it's easy, even easier to relate to this during the, the current uh, global health crisis, um, right, with all known reality turned upside down, it often feels as if I think we have no power over our lives. We can feel immobilized by fear, by uncertainty. It seems easy, easiest to just kind of follow, to let events dictate how we live. Um, I think also getting back to Yaakov and our desperate flight into distractions of all sorts to avoid the frightening realities of what's going on around us, it's often, it's often hard to hold on to our connection, to our, to our true selves, to, to be able to ask, to answer with straight on, panim el panim, the difficult question of ma shemecha, right, what's your name, um, to answer that question with, with some degree of integrity. Um, and I think the story of Yaakov helps remind that the, the road to shlemut is not by burying the difficult questions, but by facing them, even if we risk suffering a few blows along the way. Um, I want to offer one final thought on this very human story that serves, I think, as an archetype for human struggle. Uh, this bifurcated, deeply conflicted person who struggles for self-acceptance, for enablement, and for integration. Um, it's hard not to notice that this archetype is a, is a man. Is there a model of a woman in the, in the biblical text experiencing the same kind of split and hard-won forward motion? Um, and I, I want to just throw out the, the idea and maybe develop it another time that one, that's often overlooked that there's actually one matriarch who's got two names. And that, of course, is Sarah, who starts, starts her biblical story as Sarai. 
Like, like Yaakov, she has two names, perhaps two parts of her. Um, and remarkably, the word Sarah is etymologically related to Yisrael. They both seem to play on the idea of Liot Sar, to be a leader, um, right? Um, and we might argue that Sarai, in her first incarnation, like Yaakov, lacks agency, follows others, um, and even worse, she has no choice but to follow. She's literally powerless to refuse. She's taken by others. Right first, Avraham takes her, Vayikach, Vatukach, she's taken by Paro, um, who then says, Kach Valech. But suddenly, in chapter 17 in her story, there's a dramatic name change. Sarai becomes Sarah, and many of the same ingredients are shared between her name change and the name change in Yaakov's story. Both begin as followers but are enabled to become leaders. Both get an emphatic blessing. Both are named as the progenitors of, of royalty. Right? So I think what we have here is an expansion of our archetype to women as well as men. Um, Yaakov, Yisrael, Sarai, Sarah, I think all of these stories, the matriarchs, the patriarchs, remind us that although we are, all of us, often split into two camps, right, the heel-grabbing follower and the face-to-face -face leader, we are in fact free to choose between them every day. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today. Be sure to visit us on Spotify, where you can subscribe to any of our other podcast channels, or visit us at elmod.pardes.org. Thanks for listening.